This is Unorthodox, the world's leading Jewish podcast. I am Mark Oppenheimer, and I am sad to tell you that once again I'm by myself, but I'm glad to have the microphone because I want to tell you what happened tonight. I wasn't at my home shul last Shabbat because I was in Pittsburgh for Tisha B'Av, and I'm not going to be there tomorrow or the next Saturday because of a family vacation. And I thought, I miss my synagogue. I want to I want to go. And it's Friday night and I love the Kabbalat Shabbat service. All these beautiful melodies. It was actually like my introduction to Judaism uh, back in college. And then Rebecca and I hopped in the car. And there were only 10 people there tonight, I think. 10 or 11. I mean, Rebecca and I, it turns out, we were needed for the minion. So there we were. Thank goodness. And uh, our friend Nadav Sela did Mincha. And then David Cooperstock, who has such a beautiful voice and, and leads so beautifully, did Kabbalah Shabbat. And then they do Mariv, the, the Friday night service, because now we've brought in Friday night. And they looked around and said, would someone else like to lead? Because the tradition is that different people will lead each part of it. And finally, the rabbi turned to me and he said, eh, Mark, you do it. And I said, well, I don't... I know the Mariv service, but for the Sabbath, Friday night, it's different. There's some different melodies, some different prayers. I don't, I don't think I know it. And he said, well, you know, we'll help. And I figured, well, you know, I've never done this before. I've never done Friday night Mariv. And, you know, you have to try new things. There's not much of a story here. I went up and I stumbled at various points and, and used the normal weekday melodies instead of the Friday night melodies. And people kind of sang over me and brought me along. And then I recognized the Friday night melodies, but I needed other people to kind of sing over me to drown me out, pull me into the right melody. And then I could kind of lead from there. And of course, it's terrifying. Every time you get up to lead something in this language you don't know, a part of a service you might not know so well, and you're anytime you do anything for the first time, and I love public speaking, I mean, I don't have a fear of crowds, but you feel like, um, you feel new again. You feel like an infant, um, like you're trying something out for the first time. Uh, you feel like a neophyte, uh, like an amateur. And, um, and I sat down and uh, I looked over at Rebecca, who seemed not overly embarrassed, and um, afterwards, Rob said to me, hey, you know, nice, nice job. And nobody was laughing. No, nobody else had been awkward about it. It was just for, for, for me. And I was reminded that it's, um, it's good to try things <laughs> and that no matter how old you get, there is always more to learn and there's always value um, in trying something new and remembering how hard it is and how you feel the eyes of the world are upon you. And it also made me wonder how often I'm insensitive about other people who are just doing something for the first time, about the new driver who is driving slowly and you think, come on, hurry it up, but maybe that person got his license yesterday, or the person leading services using the wrong pronunciation of the Hebrew, and I'm such an old pro, I'm being all judgy, or whatever it is, how often do we forget that somebody might be doing something for the first time? You remember that saga about how Stephanie Butnick simply didn't want to have a mezuzah on her door? Despite all of her Jewish pride, it just felt a little too public. But you guys encouraged her to do it, and you sent her mezuzot, and she has one, and she wants to put it up, and she finally did. Our producer, Josh Cross, has the story. Many of you remember the controversy over Stephanie not having a mezuzah on her apartment door. However, in case you need a refresher, Stephanie had been reluctant to put up one for all sorts of reasons, public and private. Mostly, she insists, it's because she is a lazy millennial. This became an ongoing concern of many listeners, and a few even sent her mezuzahs, or mezuzah holders. The fervor even got so great that there was a bet tied to last year's fundraiser. If Stephanie got the fewest votes, she'd have to hang one up on her doorpost. 
She did not lose, however, and until a couple weeks ago, had still not hung any around her home. She had recently moved into an apartment where the previous owner had left one up, but it still didn't feel right to her. Mostly, she says, it was ugly, and it wasn't hers. Finally, a few Fridays ago, she decided it was time. So, of course, I recorded it. First, we had to actually go get the little scrolls that go inside the mezuzah. So I grabbed my two daughters and a tape recorder, and Stephanie met the three of us outside the world-famous Westside Judaica. Hello. I'm here to see a man about a cloth. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Are they staying open for us? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're, I mean, they're missing they're, they're, Shabbos. They're open another 10 minutes anyway. Oh, perfect. Hope we get a good deal, guys. Yes, I'm here. The girl's here. She's here for the cloth. Oh, just the clown. Can you tell me your name? Shlomo. Shlomo. Solomon. Case you haven't ready? I have two cases. Yeah. And I was, yes, I do. Oh. This one's from Dead Sea Stone. Yeah, yeah. Where does is, where is it say the front, the top? This is the top of the cloth. Okay. This is upside down. This is the right side up. So you can see when you put it in there to make sure that is the top. It's really pretty. So you don't unroll it or anything? No, no, no. It's supposed to be Can you tell us for our listeners what, what exactly a cloth this scroll is? The Shema. Written on a piece of parchment. It takes approximately three to four hours to write. Depends who the sofa is, the artist is. Some of them will take, a beginner will take six hours. No letter is allowed to touch the other letter. If you get to the last paragraph and one letter touches the other letter, the whole thing is kaput. You have to bury it. It's a holy thing. It has God's name on it. So that's why you cannot just dispose it. You have to bury it in a cemetery. The special cemeteries for holy things. You can't bury it in your front yard. I have a mezuzah currently on my door that someone else put on. It's not as pretty as mine, so I want to take it down. So what do I do with that mezuzah? Bring it here. Okay. I'll give it a check. If it's kosher, uh-huh. I can. If you don't want it, I can donate it to somebody who can't afford it. Oh, I would love to kosher, do that. It has to be buried. What would make it not kosher? If the letters touch. From time, they leak. Parchment does not absorb uh, ink like paper. So it's like 3D, you can almost feel the ink. Mm-hmm. From rolls, from humidity, from whatever, the weather over there, things can happen. I need to go shopping though and see what else I need. While we're here, you know? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Fine by me. Uh, those are shofars. This place is amazing. So I need two cloths, one kind of horror pin, and a Jewish holidays choo-choo book. (laughs) Covering all my bases. Solomon, thank you. You're welcome. So nice. I appreciate you you helping us. You did it before Shoshana's. Yes, I'm I'm early. You're good. You're in the right track (laughs) for the new year. Okay. Let's Let's let these guys close up. So how do we feel? I feel good. I feel like I'm ready for Shabbos. I appreciate I your help. I, I feel like I walked in with mezuzah like houses and I came out with homes. Wait, what? A few days later, while my girls were mercifully in camp, Stephanie and I met up with Liel and assistant producer Sara, and we headed down to Shea Butnick Cohen and got to work. I think we even interrupted Kat during his afternoon nap. Once there, the four of us set about the task of a proper mezuzah hanging, with Liel, our rabbinic supervision, helping Stephanie with the prayers. Stephanie's apartment is a marvel of modern urban architecture. The only thing that can make Stephanie's apartment nicer than it currently is. There's a couple of rad mezuzahs. Technically, Stephanie, like your uh, your starter mezuzah, you're putting it inside the apartment. It's not as 
conspicuous. It's very pink and lovely. Oh my, I've never put up a mezuzah before. Also, you're going to have to kiss it every time you pass it, so can you reach it? Can we make it a little lower like this? Pat, you're going to be Jewish. Jewish. Stephanie, are you ready? Repeat after me. Repeat after me. Baruch atah Adonai. Baruch atah Adonai. Eloheinu melech haolam. Eloheinu melech haolam. Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav. Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav. V'tivanu. V'tivanu. Likaboa. Likaboa. Mezuzah. Mezuzah. Look at this. Go, 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 go stand all cool next to you in a mezuzah. Oh, this old thing? Very nice. Very... Heaven public done. for people who come to my house. The eternal mezuzah. I know, I can't believe You are a very public Jew. You are. If you haven't figured this out yet. <laughs> Jew in the streets. Presbyterian and sheets. And sheets? Yeah. Um, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. I love this. Okay, let's do the other one. With the first one done inside the apartment, we headed to the apartment door to hang a new one there. Since there was already a mezuzah there and inside it a scroll, we weren't entirely sure we could ditch both. After some debate on whether it was kosher to replace them, we turned to an expert. Sara called up her bubby. She believes, and she's going to call my grandfather and get back to me later, she believes that if you keep the cloth, there's no problem because that's what actually matters for the mezuzah. Can I take it down to see the, the cloth? You need to, to be able to take you can take the cloth, if there's a cloth in there, indeed, you can put it in the mezuzah. Do a quick check to see if it's kosher, based on what he told us. Doesn't look like anything bled. Okay, let's put it back in. Up, the and this is up. The letter Does I feel like can you're learning it in? a lot. I knew that yeah, already. The funny thing is, I always have like a mezuzah itself was sacred, but it's just the cloth. Like, the mezuzah itself is just a house. Okay. You can technically build a mezuzah out of whatever you want. So much trouble. It just needs it's to be like just, a house. Just the cloth needs to be a certain one. Guys, thanks for being here for this. We really hit some unanticipated snags. Well, here we are. That's, got, that's life, you know? That's like, that's, that's Judaism. All right, ready? What happens if this falls down? You kiss it and put it back. Hopefully, that's not. Guys, I feel like I just became a bas mitzvah. Guys, this is very exciting. Maybe we could do more. Maybe I should have put one right here. That would be yeah. Now she's on the tear. Yay, mezuzah! Yay, mezuzah! Mazel tov, Kat, are you happy? Day crew, I have mezuzot. I have two mezuzahs hanging in my apartment. And if that is not proof that we would do anything for you, our listeners, I don't know what is. Please take a moment, donate to our fundraiser. It's still going on. You still got time. Check out tabletmag.com donate to make your gift today. Friends, when we surveyed you, a lot of you said your favorite episodes ever were our annual Yom Kippur episodes where we talk about repentance, teshuva, turning back toward the right path, and apologies. Some of you just call it the apology episode. Well, the time is coming up. Just a little more than a month to go until Yom Kippur is around the bend. 
And you can make that fast a little bit more meaningful by listening to our apology episode in advance. But we need your help. We always count on our listeners to come up with great suggestions from their own lives. Do you have one of the best apology stories we'll ever hear? Do you have one of the worst? Do you have a story about an apology gone awry? Do you have a story about an apology that was so difficult, but you pulled it off? Or do you need some help apologizing? Do you want us to intercede for you? Do you want to call someone and have us listen in? I don't know. Just think apologies, think atonement, think teshuva, think repentance, think making your life whole again. If you have a story that's anywhere in the orbit of what I'm talking about, let us know. Write to us at unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Give us a short description, maybe a paragraph or so, or call us at 914-570-4869. And if it sounds intriguing, we'll get back to you and you might end up talking about it on our show. Again, 914-570-4869 or unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Help us keep the apology episode one of the highlights of the Jewish calendar. Thanks. Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from Prayer for the French Republic, the Tony Award-nominated Best Play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamu, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by the New York Times' Mark Tracy. They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. This event is part of 14Y's spring season of Jewish culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y. Hey, J.Crew, it is time for some pod biz. Tonight, May 16th, I will be moderating a Zoom conversation with Rabbi Sharon Browse and Shai Held about each of their new books. That's at 6 p.m. Eastern and the final event in my Unpacking the Book series with the Jewish Book Council and the Jewish Museum. This one's on Zoom, so no matter where you are, I hope you can make it. And tonight is actually a doubleheader for me. If you're in the New York area, I'll be at the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan at 7.30 tonight in conversation with Israeli rapper and singer Jimbo J. He'll be performing and there will be delicious Israeli food from Chef Mushka, who made the famous Horosets at our Passover pop-up. You can find links to register for both of those events at tabletmag.com slash unorthodoxlive. We also have some great events coming up for Tablet members in person and on Zoom. On May 16th, Catherine Wolf will be in conversation with Jews who refuse to back down against hostile crowds in various arenas, from municipal buildings, school board meetings, and of course, college campuses. She'll be talking with Club Z's Masha Merkalova, Safe CUNY's Avraham Goldstein, Attorney John Kovac, Mel Waldorf, Steve Goldberg, and UNC Chapel Hill student Daniel Stumpel. Also coming up, a warm and intimate Zoom for those who have lost friendships since October 7th. That's on May 21st and will be a great chance to connect and meet new people. And on May 30th, an in-person tablet meetup in Washington, D.C., hosted by Tablet's executive editor Wayne Hoffman and Catherine Wolf. That'll be at Charbar at 6 p.m. You can become a Tablet member at tabletm.ag slash UO member and get more information about all of these events. Okay, back to the show. Unorthodox at tabletmag.com. That's unorthodox at T-A-B-L-E-T-M-A-G.com. Hey, J. Crew. I feel really weird doing the mailbox without Liel and Stephanie, but you know what? We had so much good stuff piling in, I didn't want to get too far behind. So these are money. These are gold, baby, gold. 
I was with my daughter and my grandchildren, and we were in a parking lot, and my daughter driving backed into the parking lot. And I told her that Mark Oppenheimer said backing into the parking space was goyish. To which she replied, obviously he never worked for the Anti-Defamation League. When she took the Anti-Defamation League safety, they told her to always back into a parking space because one, it was safer and you could see the cars coming more adequately when you pulled out of the space. And two, you never knew when you might need to make a speedy getaway from white nationalists. This is obviously a different minhawk but apparently backing in is not goodish. I heard the bit about cat food and whether it's kosher or not. I actually grew up in Israel, and I remember sometime in the mid-70s, there was a big deal in the Israeli press because an American pet food company had started labeling its pet food as kosher. The company did this not because of the ingredients or the process they manufactured it, but rather because they associated the word kosher with top quality, and they thought that their audience did as well. So they started labeling their cat food and their dog food as kosher, which, of course, the Jewish community did not appreciate at all, and all of the pet food was eventually withdrawn from the market and relabeled. In response to the question about feeding your dogs kosher food, dogs, cats, animals, while living in Yerushalayim, I would go to the Shtuk, and there was a organic place, and they asked us three things. What was the animal, dog or cat, if they were alerted to anything, and what level of kashrut we kept. So because we kept Mahadran at home, they gave us Mahadran cat food, and we'd have to go back, yes, to get Pesach, friendly cat food for the house. I want to give you a comment about what I call the donut dialogue. My mother said about donuts that they were goyish and only the goya ate them. So donuts were never to be in our house. On the outside only, we ate them and happily, happily licked the sugar from sticky fingers and our extra sweet lips. Sometimes the sugar caused a cramp or two in my teeth. As an adult, Donuts give me heartburn and indigestion. They lay just south of my esophagus and they do not move. Just another aha moment of my mother's beliefs coming to fruition. All right, a little bit more about me. There hasn't been enough of me in the mailbox this week. So uh, I read you this letter, a direct attack on me and my family and and my mashpucha. Dear J. Crew, Oppenheimer Jr.'s rendition of the Shemu was cringeworthy. The sacred words of the Shema have been uttered by Jews on their deathbeds throughout the generations and when confronted with imminent death at the hands of anti-Semites. Interspersing these holy words with cow sounds is in bad taste at best and blasphemous at worst. It brings the sin of worshiping the golden calf to a whole new level. Shame on Mu. Daron Bolton, Petach Tikva, Israel. Daron I wish Liel and Stephanie were here because I think they'd be even more vociferous than I'm going to be in disagreeing with you. The fact that my daughter feels that those words, that those sacred Hebrew words are so deeply inside her that she can relate them to her most beloved creature in the world, her stuffed cow, Gwackley, I think is a testament to the persistence of Judaism throughout time and to the, the extraordinary hold that it can have on, on a child's uh, neshama. Um, I think you've missed the point. I'm going to be quite honest. I don't think that many of the people who 
muttered the Shema on their lips as they died at the hands of anti-Semites, and that is very, very real. I don't think that many of them would be offended uh, to know that in 2019, in relatively anti-Semitism-free uh, Southern Connecticut, there was a child who loved the Shema so much that she tried to figure out how a cow rabbi would say it. So I'm, I'm just going to disagree, but don't take my word for it. I just wanted to let you know how much I enjoyed Clara's Shamu from a few episodes ago. It reminded me of how when I was in kindergarten, my dad pretended that two crocodiles with extra bits of brain had hitchhiked from the Everglades to live with us in Toronto to learn about human culture and eventually save their swamp from climate change. The crocodiles were cousins named Crocky and Pocky, and over the years, they developed their own interests. Pocky wanted to be the first reptile reporter at the Canadian Public Broadcaster, and Crocky wanted to be the world's first reptile rabbi. He chose the Hebrew name Moshe, and he gave Pocky the name Miriam. He was very enthusiastic about my Hebrew school lessons, and even planned to start the Greenstone Shul, which would be open to Jews of all species. And I'm sure Blackley the Cow would be very welcome there as well. Hi, I just wanted to call and say I love the Shamu as son by Mark's daughter, and I wanted to tell you a story that when my sons were small, we had a goldfish named Fishkit. When Fishkis passed away, the family gathered around the toilet and recited the codfish. Fishkadal, Fishkadash. Well, you know the rest. Love your show so much. Listeners, I love you so much. Call us with your own voicemail, 914-570-4869. Or if you're not the voicemail kind of person, send us an email, unorthodox at tabletmag.com. We love hearing from you. Hey gang, before I go into the outro, let me tell you that last week, some of you noticed that the end of last week's outro, you could hear the entirety of the Shema done in the rabbinic cow voice of my daughter, Clara. You could hear the entire Shamu, not just the first couple lines, if you listened until the very, very end. So look, sometimes we put cool stuff after the outro, so you know. Get to the end. Live with us for another minute or so. It'll pay off. In that spirit... Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com. Send us your thoughts at unorthodox at tabletmag.com or call and leave us your thoughts at 914-570-4869. This week especially, we would love to get your atonement and repentance stories for our Yom Kippur episode. Subscribe to our newsletter at bit.ly slash unorthodoxpodcast. We often come to you live to book us or to advertise with us. Email producer Josh Cross at jcross, that's cross with a K at tabletmag.com. If you want unorthodox clothing or other swag, go to bit.ly slash unortho shirt. We're on Instagram at unorthodox podcast, and we're on Twitter at unorthodox underscore pod. Join our Facebook group. Lots of interesting chatter there. Our show is produced by Josh Cross. Our associate producer is Sarah Fredman-Ader. Our editor is Melissa Kaplan. Artwork is by Esther Werdiger. Our social media mashkiach is Elazar Abrams. If you don't know what a mashkiach is, look it up. You'll learn something. Our theme music is by Golem. They are terrific. Their rock, funk, klezmer, punk mashup is one of the most extraordinary things in contemporary music. Find more about them at golemrocks.com. We are engineered by Paul Ruest. Our mailbox theme is by Steve Barton. Rabbinic supervision this week by Rabbi Ben Zeldman of Temple Mount Sinai in El Paso, Texas. We love you, El Paso, and we love you, Dayton. We come to you from Argo Studios, which always backs into its parking spaces. And this week, we also come to you from various home studios from Westside Judaica and from Casa Butnik. Shalom, friends. 
Guys, I'm just glad that I got you all over. Mark's gonna be very FOMO'd. What's like FOMO but for mezizas? FOMO. Literally FOMO.